Welcome to the BTN Europe Week in Review podcast, where we take a deeper look at some of the issues in the news. I'm Mark Ferry, your host. I would like to say Happy New Year, but the word happy seems a bit hollow in a world where, we, where a new wave of COVID is killing thousands every day across the world. Countries have been slapped into lockdown again, and the ability to leave our homes, let alone our countries, has been restricted. And that's without mentioning what certain politicians and protesters have been up to this week. Yet, despite the gloom, there is hope. Accelerating vaccination programmes should help us get back to some sort of normality in 2021. While all but the most essential travel has been stopped, that does not mean the business travel sector has stopped working. Far from it. Right now, everyone is having conversations with key partners and stakeholders about how things will be when all of this is over. And it's to that subject that we turn today with our panel of experts. Please welcome Pascal Jungfer, CEO and founding partner of Areca Consulting, EY's Karen Hutchings, David Bishop of Grey Doors Group, and Nike's Daniel Talos. Hello, I'm Pascal Jungfer, I'm one of the founding partners and CEO of Areca Consulting, who supports Fortune 500 companies across the world in the management of the travel category. Hello, I'm Karen Hutchings, the Global Head of Travel, Meetings and Events from EY. Hi, Happy New Year. My name is Dave Bishop. I'm the Chief Commercial Officer of Grey Doors, a UK-based TMC. Hi, this is Daniel Talos. I'm the Travel Manager, EMEA for Nike. Welcome to you all in this first podcast for 2021. So, yeah, we're having all sorts of conversations, even though we're not allowed to travel right at the moment. And uh, I'm going to talk about lots of different conversations that we're having, you know, whether that's with travelers or clients, suppliers, and even within your own company. I'd just like to talk to you, Karen, first. What conversations are you having with your travellers? So with our travellers, we've actually set up feedback sessions with some of our key partners, the airlines and hotels, with some of the top users of their services in the past. And we've been having feedback sessions with them. And it's been very interesting just to get a gauge as to what our employees are feeling around their thoughts about travelling again or not. Ultimately, these individuals are high-frequent travellers, and so hence why we actually engaged with them. And it's a mixed bag, actually, as to what their response has been. But certainly, it's been very welcome by our key partner suppliers, for sure. And actually, the travellers have enjoyed the opportunity as well to speak and to hear, actually, what the airlines and the hotels, as an example, are doing, whether that be in relation to their own precautions that they're taking in relation to COVID or any of the lobbying that they're potentially doing to make things safer through the transition at the airports and hotels, etc., etc. So um, they're still ongoing. We started these back in November and we've got a lot actually scheduled for this month now in January. And it's something that we will continue, I think, because it changes constantly. And so I think the continuous interaction actually just helps us as well understand what it is that our employees are looking for and what they need from us. Daniel, what about you? What conversations are you having with your travellers? Yeah, I recognize what uh, Karen said. I mean, we, we are doing actually pretty much the same, given that the transactional surveys or program level surveys are, are not producing much, right? Because there's no travel activity. So we have to go proactively and, and uh, seek for uh, feedback. The overall picture is that many of our travelers are actually okay to travel again, provided the health uh, situation improves, but they're still slightly anxious about, you know, staying as minimal time as possible at point of destination, getting in and out. 
uh, as they can. I think that they are very knowledgeable, generally speaking, coming out of these sessions, focus groups and travel advisories that we, ha we hold about uh, rules and uh, tips and hints and whatnot. When it comes to the uh, more framework type of, of regulations, rules, testing, quarantine, that's still a mess, I think. So that's that's still very much a, a I would say, a pain point where I think they, they expect us, the travel management function, to be to be leading and also providing solutions for the duty of care teams, right, the risk teams, so our people can actually uh, navigate safely and, and also have that predictability as opposed to being surprised by certain things. There's definitely still a, a strong uh, need for private versus shared solutions. Uh, so that's true for all service areas. Uh, social distancing is still very much a, an angle. And then uh, when it comes to hotels, uh, we see that, that non-hotel hotel type of, of properties or, or apartments and, and things which are more private and allow people to avoid the crowds are still preferred. Do you think anybody that, you know, the latest set of restrictions that have come in and the latest news on uh, COVID variants has actually affected traveller confidence at all? I think potentially it has in the fact that, you know, if you speak, depending on which country you're in, candidly, because I think, you know, the, the variants are more intense in some countries than others. Um, you know, as an example, in the UK now, where we are now, the encouragement is to work from home versus being in the office whilst the office is still open. The recommendation is to work from home, but that may be different in Japan. We're seeing more travel there now starting. So I think it depends, but I think everybody's being sensible and following their government guidelines, which is the ultimate that we have to do. I just want to turn to you, Pascal. What conversations are you having with Eureka Consulting's clients? So many, uh, many conversations. Uh, in some organizations, there is uh, there is a general context of a, of a pressure because uh, some organizations are, are looking at you know downsizing and uh, right-fitting because of the of the uh, you know the decrease in activity and and so that's uh, not uncommon for companies to downsize. That that raises the question of the of the transformation and the reorganization of the travel team is a new uh, new configuration uh, which uh, can be a challenge. So that's certainly uh, one one thing. Other things are driven uh, come from uh, the senior management such as the relevance of travel and. Uh, in the new era, uh, what what will be the the right level of travel versus pre-COVID? There will be a twenty percent. So you see numbers flying around: twenty percent, thirty percent, twenty-five percent in terms of decrease of the travel activity. So that's certainly one thing. Another thing is the acceleration of the digitalization of meetings of the traveler experience. Uh, very much into this, and another thing driven by uh, the management is uh, how do we integrate green? Because uh, if, if the travel footprint decreases, then uh, that, that has obviously a CSR impact. Other topics are, are more uh, linked to procurement and other uh, management, such as uh, redefining the sorting strategies. There is a lot of MA coming up by people buying other people, and which means that you will you will need to integrate uh, the newcomers or if you are sold, uh, then you get into another travel program. So that already happens with some of our clients. There is a, a theme of, uh, in terms of sourcing strategy, another topic is uh, 
in how do you protect the balance, the service, uh, the level of service, and uh, change your potentially your configuration model and, and the financial model and uh, protect your service. In terms of uh, procurement, you also need to uh, think about uh, maybe redefining how you measure performance. Um, for example, uh, if you result in hotels to many dynamic rates, you know, it, it, it doesn't make sense anymore to just uh, re look at renegotiated uh, rates because that's not what you're going to use uh, in majority. So, for example, and lastly, there is uh, some pedagogy effort to, to be made. That's what we, we support the clients for, to talking to senior management to explain what are the prices, the, the prices in travel, what are they going to become uh, post-COVID, etc. So as you can see, there is a, there is a lot of activity internally, externally. It's about talking to the suppliers. So the story is complicated and on behalf of our clients, of course. But it's uh, it's a completely different story as we might see today. Uh, whether it is uh, hotels, airlines, PNC editors. Now, Dave, coming to you. I know that before this, we were talking about some clients have been saying that business travel may not come back till they actually make a return to the office. So, is that uh, something that's a common theme, or and there are other other themes with talking to clients? The comment, the comments coming back to kind of our account management teams is if we're going to travel, where are we traveling to? Because our clients aren't in their offices, our prospects aren't in their offices and our colleagues aren't in their offices. So you know, a lot of the travel that we're seeing is around, for instance, on the air travel that we're doing. A lot of it is in things like the security in the marine industries where there's a need to, you know, there's a specific need. But the, the rest of the sort of certainly air travel overseas has, has really kind of dampened down. And there's very much, well, when things do open up, offices do open up then we'll, we'll get back to it and i think that timetable keeps on being put back you know we heard google saying now it's going to be september or october before they open their offices so that's kind of a bit of a bellwether for the, for the tech industry i mean what we've done is we've created a, a steering committee with our kind of key clients which kind of mimics this podcast if you like in terms of you know talk, going going through the key issues and we're just in a process now of doing an outreach to clients and prospects as well to understand, you know, what what are the things that are on your minds and, and how can we help to solve? But how can our other clients help you? So there's kind of a real collaboration between clients, which is great. One of the things that we're seeing kind of a rise of people being some of the some of the things we're hearing around people being concerned about flying and this rising aviophobia that kind of fear of flying we're seeing that start to increase i did see some kind of research at the weekend that seven percent of, of americans are af afraid of boarding a plane and specifically around you know we're starting to see things around kind of 737 max and 57 percent of people wouldn't fly in the 737 max so i think this doesn't add to the general kind of confidence building there might be greater emphasis as when we do return and people wanting to know more about the equipment they're flying on and then making making specific decisions. I think the other thing that's is around kind of the testing regimes. You know, we've seen the good news last last you know yesterday regarding the UK getting its testing regime, you know, putting their setting their stall in terms of what needs to happen to travel in to travel into the UK. But there's still you know, we're still trying to work through the or how do how do we help to organize organize this abroad? And I think one of the things that, that that's really kind of stopping travel is call companies are saying to us, if my traveller gets sick abroad and they get hospitalized, 
that's you know it's a huge duty of care issue around that so it's kind of you know so that's almost so testing is helping to alleviate that but it's just the practicalities of if i'm flying to germany or to israel how, how does that work how do i get a test how do i get a test in time and and, and that and can't, so i don't get fined 500 pounds when you when you get back into the country so i think there's still a need for test and release when you come back into uk so even though you've got a test you still have to quarantine and even if you've got a vaccine you still need to provide a test so i think one of the confusion one of the confusing things we're look you know that we need to address as an industry is how does the that kind of digital health passports fit into all of this travel pass common pass and, and, and all that stuff but it, we're still kind of a little bit cart before the horse at the moment one thing that's a kind of a key thing we've heard this week is the pressure that or not pressure but the travel insurance restrictions are, are starting to affect kind of who authorizes travel so there seem to be more hoops from a corporate perspective of my c-suite need to authorize travel and that's coming from the travel insurance restrictions so i don't know how that's interesting to hear from Daniel and Karen as to whether they've seen they've seen some of that, but it certainly seems to be putting a break on travel actually getting back because of the way that traveling needs to be authorized now. Just to reflect on, on what you said about the UK uh, entrance rules, so I think there is also Canada conflict, right, and the IATA is, is trying to to push for uh, the adoption of, of, of its principles. Uh, so I think that that IATA action would be, you know, more than welcome. And, and really do, with those states where quarantine and testing are still both required is not helping the, the travel industry, right? So I think that's, that's very clear. Karen, uh, you know, so Dave mentioned there about, you know, the C-suite needing to authorize essential travel right now. So it'd be interesting to know what sort of conversations you're having with your C-suite right now. All of our travel has to be approved by um, what we call our area managing partners or our regional managing partners. Um, and that's been in place actually since this started. And we've not lifted that in general where countries are back traveling more. Um, so, for example, China domestic, then we have lifted it because obviously it was unmanageable for them when the volumes came back as they did. The conversations that we're having, though, with them outside of just approvals is is hand in hand with our our risk team so we work very very closely with risk through all of this and so we've got like a working group now set up that has representatives from the c-suite as you would call it I and mean, we are slightly differently structured um, because we are a member firm so it is slightly different but we do certainly have senior leadership on there and that's really now looking at you know what do we need to be thinking about as people want to start to travel I think we talked about this in December prior to the second wave that's really hit everywhere. Um, but the reality is, though, is with all of these different companies coming, the requirements of COVID testing, the vaccination, etc., we do need to consider how we're going to monitor that, how we're going to support our employees in potentially getting testing in different places or getting the vaccinations for travel. So we've just started a working group with the first call next week, actually, that includes our talent, risk, ourselves from travel meetings and events and some others that really will then start to work together on a project as to how do we actually take this forward. Because I think, you know, our reality is, is that we do want to get back traveling again, not necessarily to the levels that we were before, but we do need to figure out how do we get people back on the road and moving. And so we need to be prepared for the questions and make sure that our employees are armed with everything that they need prior to them making those reservations. 
I have not heard specifically uh, about the insurance angle, uh, but I recognize what Karen said that, you know, regardless of the insurance questions, they are still at many companies, high level approvals just for the sake of, of controls, right? And as, as Karen said, I, I also see that the domestic travel in bigger countries, China, uh, earlier Australia and, and other countries that's kind of being excluded from the generic approval processes just because the, the volumes are there, right? And, and then just to rubber stamp is it doesn't make sense anymore for, for, for the leadership. Dave, many people on this podcast will know your CEO, Suzanne Horner. What's uh, she asking you to do right now? As, as it, it must have changed since uh, before the pandemic. Yeah, no, I think the, you know, Suzanne kind of drives us all really hard here at Grey Doors, um, but that does kind of help us to accelerate a lot of, you know, we're a very agile company, so it helps, you know, if anything, this period has helped to accelerate a lot of development, you know, because we've had a bit of a vacuum in terms of the volumes having been there, but we've still active staff of you know has has led to a kind of a whole series of projects around kind of technology that we've used in the business and that's kind of massively accelerated over the last uh, nine months i think one of the things that that she's driving us to look at and and is around kind of really two key areas one is around the commercials and pricing uh, and the secondly is kind of to look kind of critically at our supply chain both from a the people that you know where we buy from and the and the kind of internal supply supplies that we use you know you've had it referenced in btn the kind of the excellent work that needle and pinter did with the bta around pricing models so there was a whole kind of cross industry look at this and you know led by joe lloyd and you know that must say that the kind of work that that, that she and her team did was, was outstanding and it was interesting that there's there seems to be a greater degree of collaboration between TMCs, but also an acceptance amongst the client base that the model has to change if we want to safe and secure and have a, you know, have a, a TMC supply chain that has, can last through this period. So that kind of framework that Needham and Pins would put together with the BTA, you know, when that starts to kind of be released, I think we'll start to see it feature in things like RFPs. So there'll be a kind of almost like a, some sort of standardized format for you know that we look at pricing around transaction fees management fees or a hybrid in between so that's kind of really welcome so that's kind of a, a great piece that kind of Suzanne is, is championed within, within our business but also kind of really looking at our supply chain I think there's we've had to look really critically certainly that some of the airlines and the hotel suppliers we use I think it's probably likely that we'll see a, a, a national flag carrier or two cease to exist I think there's a great chance of that. So we've actually removed one national flag carrier from sale because we are so concerned. You know, if our clients want to use them, we highlight these are the reasons why we think be careful, be cautious. But it's really kind of trying to protect the corporate clients so they don't get they get they don't get stuck. That's kind of a, a concern for us, and also kind of around hotels. And you know, we're seeing a lot of franchisee franchisor between you know maybe a national chain and then the people operating the hotel. We're seeing some real issues there with how they're treating clients. Travelers get into a hotel and it's just shut no one's told and then the kind of the franchise owner just kind of washing their hands of it so that's kind of causing us to you know who do we want to kind of contract and deal with going forward because it has a massive impact on our on, on our clients but i think what, one of the things that kind of suzanne has pushed us into is to kind of is really collaborate with not just with the bta but also with other tmcs so for instance as I, I work with three tmcs other tmcs at the moment competitors where actually we've all got the same problems so let's work together either solving them 
or investing in technology to help us solve it or you know even kind of collaboration in terms of supply deals as well where it, where it makes sense i'd have never thought that would have happened you know 12 months ago but this is this kind of you know why should we all solve it individually so that's been you know for us one of the real positives that have come out and and i hope that that continues when we get to the other side whatever the other side looks like Pascal, I wanted to come to you now to talk about suppliers. I know you've talked about things like uh, dynamic hotel rates, but um, are you looking at things like the viability of suppliers and uh, making recommendations to your clients? Yes. Uh, in the way we, uh, we we deal with suppliers, I would say that the, from a consulting standpoint, uh, when we are the, the spokesman or the, the support of the client, the, the situation is extremely different, whether you talk... Uh, EMT editors, uh, let's say airlines, hotels. If you talk about uh, the TMT, I think uh, the COVID crisis has, the, has had the impact that it has um, it worked as a catalyst for the, the relationship. In many cases, uh, clients are, are putting things on the back burner, waiting uh, post-COVID uh, situation to sort of relook at uh, their contract and so on and so forth. But on the, on the contrary, some other clients getting a lot of uh, questions from the supplier just because the contract is at the end. They uh, use the 2020-2021 as a gap year to uh, move forward with the sourcing exercise to redefine uh, exactly their priority. So you have contrasted attitudes. In that case, in the latter case, uh, they rethink the, the service configuration, moving to more simple and flexible models. On the other hand, some other ones some want to move to non-dedicated agents because they want to make things more flexible. Others, on the contrary, they want to move to dedicated agents because they are ready to share the risk, the financial burden, but they want a service continuity. So you see that people redefine their strategies. The simplification, though, is a, is a common denominator. In terms of economic model, uh, there are a lot of discussions about sharing the, you know, linking the, the uh, fixed incentive, etc., to the level of activities. Many, many discussions. I, I can't go into now into the details, but to sort of but share the financial risk. There are questions indeed, as per your question, uh, regarding financial sustainability. There used to be. But now there, people do read the documents and there is more attention to, to this with regard there is a need to be reassured and, and you know what, will there be MNA uh, changes? Uh, this is the kind of questions we are getting, who will buy who, etc. Et we get these kind of questions. So there are, there are question marks uh, about the sustainability on, of, the, of the supplier, but in general, you see a rather empathetic and understanding attitude in most of cases, I would say, because the TNC have to, uh, it's well understood by most mature clients that the TNCs are, are uh, have to juggle many priorities, right-sizing, looking at cash management while maintaining a certain level of service, which is extremely uh, difficult after all, is to make sure that the both messages are come across the table in both directions. Because sometimes the clients don't realize always, uh, you know, the, 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 the very uh, harsh uh, difficulty in which the, the, the travel suppliers are in. Airline is a completely different picture from a, a consulting standpoint. Uh, most of the dialogue is around deal extension, rather mature dialogue, accepting, I don't know, 80% of cases. Some routes are renegotiated because, you know, you have an airline going 
experiencing uh, financial difficulties like in LATAM or, or airline uh, uh, interrupting a, a route like London, I don't know, London Calgary or London Seoul, then you have to renegotiate. But other than that, the, the, the discussions revolve around fair conditions and uh, corporate and team more flexibility uh, if they cancel the flights and, and this kind of thing. For hotels, another complete uh, different scenery. It's really about uh, are you are you extending your 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 fixed rates? Are you mixing hybrid uh, fixed rates and uh, flexible rates? And dealing with the change, which have very different attitude, whether you talk A, B, C, regarding uh, the, uh, willing to negotiate or not, renegotiated rates or into new hotels, etc. So it's rather uh, uh, on, the, on the hotel side, it's uh, it's more about changing the sorting strategy and and dealing with the, the hotel hotel chain who have different taking different views on 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 the sorting exercise. I want to talk about risk management now, because obviously that's at the top of mind for everybody. Daniel, perhaps we could come to you. What sort of conversations are you having with uh, your, your risk teams internally, but also risk management providers externally? The question is uh, still the same as six months ago. Is there a tool and are there processes which, which are able to, to cope with, with, with the requirements of, of the corporate, right? Are there destination vetting tools which really kind of serve as one point of, of truth based on different sources of information and embedded in the uh, travel booking process? And I still haven't seen the, the perfect tool, to be honest. But at the same time, I also recognize what uh, Karen referred to earlier is that whenever the health conditions allow it, so on domestic routes in, in bigger countries, there's any way a change and the, and the shift away from uh, whatever vetting and, and approval processes are out there. So, so it feels very big what we are trying to solve for. And, and again, uh, there may be not an oracle there which, which can do everything. But at the same time, if, you know, on the, on the medium term, we have a, a consolidation of the situation, then maybe we will not need it. Now, risk aspects will not go away, as, as someone referred to it earlier, right? So there's, there's much more of a granular information. That, that's the type of information that people are, are looking for. Paul Tilston said in one of the earlier uh, sessions, predictability is, is actually gaining in terms of, of value. And that's, that's something that we, we all want to actually enable, uh, through better tools. And if, if you think of, of larger companies, it has to be scalable and it has to be self-service. And, and that's, that's, that's not there. You have to have either a team set up, servicing teams. You have to gather that information somehow, uh, either in-house with an in-house solution or trying to get different APIs flowing into your solution. TMCs have created their pages, but I, I, I still don't see that they are covering for everything. The large TMCs have I've all tried, right? So it's, it's, it's a little bit of a, a tough one. I don't know how Karen feels about this. Similar in, in, in many ways. Um, I think, you know, going back to the, the supplier conversations, actually, 
there is a huge opportunity out there, in fact, for the TMCs to become a conduit of all this information. I think we all recognise that it's very difficult to gather it all, um, but certainly there is an opportunity there. The same as you, we're using the TMC data at the minute. Also, internally, we've developed something in our PAS team, which we're looking at using that as well and implementing that shortly. We're going to be like a test user of our own um, tool, which is useful. But we are working very closely with our security team as well. So we have collectively set up a team together, which will act as like a call centre, a service centre to our employees as well. 24-hour coverage based out of our India team and Manila, a Philippines team actually. And that is really, and I think I've mentioned it on an earlier podcast, in recognition of just the sheer volume of calls that we were handling from employees and queries that were coming in as the pandemic started and borders were shutting down. We anticipate it's going to be just the same as borders reopen with all the questions that are going to come in and the support that people are going to need. And we really felt that we needed to have something that was in place that would be able to be there versus direct contact through leaders from risk or leaders from the travel meetings and events team. And so this is something that we formally have now put together and is they're all being trained at the moment in readiness for when this starts coming back because we anticipate, you know, that there will be just as many queries. And I think though the fact that we've done that collectively and jointly with our risks team actually means then that we're covering all of the different angles of that as well as far as the sort of information they're going to need to have at their fingertips too. I mean, the great thing with the collaboration with Risk is the companies that they work with also give a huge amount of information as well, which perhaps the agencies don't have. And so now we've got all of that information funneled together, which we're really hoping is going to help us. Um, but I, I still stand by, though, and I'll be interested to hear what Dave thinks is, you know, this is an opportunity for the TMCs, I would say, to really make themselves at the forefront of what everybody needs to know uh, and could be an opportunity because I think all suppliers need to figure out how they can diversify at this point. And, and I think, though, you know, interestingly, I think if there's a service there that provides what everybody needs, then I think many corporates will be prepared potentially to pay for it and absolutely use it for sure. So I guess that teased me up, Karen. <laughs> so, if people could see us now, there was a, a point and a wink. <laughs> to you, to me, to you, to me, yeah. No, you know, you're right. And I think the, you know, one of the things that we've been looking at you know, internally this week is kind of how do we demonstrate our value to our clients? Because that kind of what is value has changed. It used to be kind of fares and response times. But now, you know, with airfares and you kind of, you know, that traditional kind of looking at what I did last year, you know, that's kind of out the window because the fare market is very, very fluid at the moment. And also it's taking us three to 400% longer to put, to process a transaction now because it's trying to find, you know, trying to look at the you know, in the old way, we'd go and look at what are the rules for going to that country, who's flying there, what's the likelihood of that flight cancelling. This stuff ain't easy in, in terms of looking at, you know, how do I manage from on the country basis? You know, there's 226 countries on the FCO list and something changes every day, sometimes multiple times within the, within a day. So there needs to be a degree of automation. We moved our whole business onto the Atris platform 
from a, from an agent perspective, from an online perspective, from from most of our travel, we do support you know, others like Conquer. So Atris, for example, have gone out to a third party specialist. To, you know, there's a product called Atris Cares, and it gives us that potentially that belt and braces view of a, a management of the process from start to finish and, and, and everywhere in between. Because it's not just that you know what are the rules at the point of reservation; it's everything up to physically getting. You know, coming home again, and as we've seen, you know, as we've seen over the last over the last couple of weeks, when things change, it's like it's tomorrow, or it's five p.m. tonight, and that has. I do feel for kind of you know Daniel and Karen as travel managers managing travel program because you've got you could have people stuck and just go, what do I do? You know, how, how do I how do I get home? We had this before Christmas in you know where people were coming across you know and literally you know we have one traveller, but in order to get back to Italy had to fly to Dubai and then back to Italy because that was the only way through the travel corridors that you could do it. Cost time. So it's just, it's a habit trying to, you know, this kind of Atris Cares gives us a kind of a, a, a way through it. There's freemium, premium views on it because it depends how, you know, it's like everything, what degree of comfort and control that you need. But it at least gives us a way to kind of semi-automate the process, which is great. The other thing that we're seeing just from a risk perspective, and this is kind of, we're seeing this from, from our insurers as, as an industry kind of, you know, when we kind of look at the professional indemnity insurance we have is insurers are nervous that if we send a traveler to a country that they shouldn't go to and something happens while they're overseas, they catch COVID, that could put a liability on us as the TMC as managed as being agent for that ticket. We're seeing insurance companies wanting us to get waivers from a traveller who goes to a country that's not on the travel corridor list. So, and there's a, there's a process for that. So that's, I think that's maybe a bit of a knee-jerk reaction from the insurance industry. But if this becomes wholesale, then that could put a, an additional admin burden on both us and the, and the corporate because they're not letting us do blanket waivers. It's got to be a waiver per trip where the traveller's been told of the risks and they still say, yes, I want to go and I absolve XYZ TMC from that. Hopefully this is just a kind of a temporary state and, and that will kind of that that will ease as, as things do get back to normality. I just wanted to talk about the conversations you're having in your own companies with other departments that we haven't mentioned. So we've mentioned risk there, obviously. But Daniel, are you talking to people like HR and the IT departments, the finance departments right now? Yeah, I would say, so there are two big, bigger avenues. So one, I would maybe tag it as mobility uh, solutions where travel teams have a natural place and, and also because of the lack or minimal activity in, in most, at most companies, there's also, you know, room uh, to, to work on these items. So there's, there's, there's a recognized notion of enabling people to get back to the office whenever and wherever it's possible. And uh, travel teams are expected to be able to, to work on that, often with other departments, right? Compensation and benefits of HR is a key stakeholder at, ma- at many companies. But uh, travel experts and travel managers have the right contacts. They, so in terms of suppliers, they can come up spontaneously with, with some ideas. They have often running ecosystems, uh, platforms, which are used to, to book, to report, to track um, travelers' whereabouts, which are really important because companies typically have sustainability goals. So, so that's also an ad- another advantage uh, with, with their inclusion. I guess we are trying to create the future, right? And use this time to, to, to create value. 
and, and mobility, I think, can be maybe a, an, an additional bucket uh, often fulfilled by, by travel teams. The other aspect is, is obviously the, I would say, the, the, the high-level discussions and, and then finding really operationalized solutions around how do we work in the future. Right. What is what is that model will look like? Is it completely remote? Is it hybrid? Is it um, uh, in person? And uh, for that, uh, tech, travel, meetings and events and HR teams have to work together to, first of all, cater better for the needs of, of, of the different personas and the different types of needs, but also provide guidance. Right. In terms of what outcomes actually uh, would need what type of format and and what's working and what what doesn't I, I guess there's also a discussion around budgets right like how do you actually uh, create budgets is tiny budget should that be only uh, travel is that something that you could use to like there's an increasing need to bond with your teams to meet that with them to really innovate and, and collaborate I think there's there's also I think at many companies a recognition that you need to give more flexibility to to what people can spend on and 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 give them the liberty freedom to to get to their goals by really functioning as teams and they can potentially choose for for the solutions but for that you need to also kind of create platforms that can be used and also explain what they are actually uh, good for in terms of the, the expected outcome. So I think these are the, the two key areas that I see being worked on. And obviously, sustainability enhances mobility, right? That's, I think uh, Pascal referred to it already. This is actually a big recognition at most companies that they can get quicker sustainability goals, scope-free emissions at many companies, especially non-manufacturing type of companies, is an important bucket. And within that, travel often is a, is a big contributor. So the relative opportunity is there. And I think companies want to see a plan now. Uh, so once uh, demand is back, people can actually work on these targets. Karen, perhaps I could come to you just so the conversations you're having internally beyond the C-suite and risk teams. Very similar to, to Danielle, but I'll highlight perhaps just a couple of differences. So um, with our talent HR, we're having discussions with them around what new policies potentially will look like. People now being based permanently from home, what impact does that have on a travel policy going to the office, for example, or if people make a choice to potentially live somewhere differently. And this sort of was a follow up in a conversation that we had on this podcast because it sparked something in me to think we've not considered these things yet. And whilst they're not necessarily happening at the minute because of the travel's not happening, I want to make sure we're prepared, though, so that when the questions start to come. So, so certainly we're speaking to talent on that at the moment and then the, the, the leadership around what would they want to agree to approve, make policy and what would not be made policy as an example. The other area as well which has been completely new for us is working with our enterprise technology and that's because of the fact that we are handling virtual meetings and events and candidly we didn't really have a solution out there. We had, well, let me backtrack. We had a solution, but it was for webcasts. It was for something that was basically not an event that managed that happened in person and suddenly went virtual. 
And so we've actually collaborated extensively with our enterprise technology team, um, which has been great because it's very new for all of us, candidly. You know, we did our webcast before, which was fine, but we've gone from 3,000 person in-person meetings and virtualize those and that's a very different offering to a webcast because that was a three or four day meeting with breakouts plenaries voting polling and all sorts of other things that have gone on so um working with them has been when has been fantastic for us because we've learned lots of other things about our own company that perhaps we didn't even appreciate before as well. Um, so those are the two that I would highlight that would probably be um, in addition to what Danielle talked about earlier on. I'd just like to know what, what sort of conversations you're having with your rivals or your peers. So uh, Pascal, uh, do, you, do you talk to other consultants about uh, what, what they're thinking, what they're doing, obviously without uh, bre breaching any competition rules? Yes, we talk once in a while. I think that the, uh, the discussions revolve around uh, the level of activity in the consulting world and how linked it is to the, the client priorities. I, I don't know in detail about the others. We had a uh, pretty uh, strong year last year. Uh, uh, also, the US market is very dynamic. Uh, from a consulting standpoint, I'm talking generally speaking. I would say that uh, probably specialized firm has uh, better resisted to the public uh, prices uh, than uh, the gener general uh, general management uh, consulting. Uh, I mean, I have some couple of specific cases in mind. To be honest, uh, we do speak to a lot of people in in the industry uh, and. Uh, but the, the priority for us is to talk to the, the suppliers to understand uh, more than our peers is to to understand their uh, the impact of the crisis on their operations, uh, the financial, etc., so that we can explain to our clients what's going on and how it's going to impact their travel program. That's where we, we dedicate uh, most time is to uh, so that we are able to uh, put things in perspective and in terms of. Uh, what's uh, realistic to expect from the airlines, from the editors, from the TNT. Karen, I want to come to you. What conversations are you having with fellow travel buyers? Yeah, I mean, we, we have our network that we speak with. There's a WhatsApp group of several of us where we're sharing information. And I think, you know, there, there are no competitors. And I've said this all along in this situation. And I think how we all work together and help each other to bring the industry back is ultimately key. I'm fortunate as well in the fact that I get access to consulting from EY. And, of course, they are speaking regularly to many, many clients too. So, um whether we speak with them directly as an SME for them or the information that they have. So we're actually using our own internal resource as well. Also, you know, a lot of the bodies, whether ITM, GBTA, you know, they have a lot of various huddles and um, webcasts that they're doing as well, which we are actively participating in. Because I think we can all learn from each other and there'll be nuggets that we've not thought of ourselves. And we're definitely not too proud to think that we don't want to learn from others and I think that's a lesson for everybody in this situation is that sharing is actually caring in this in where we are at the moment for sure. Dave just coming to you what, what are you talking about with other TMCs at the moment? Yeah I think you know I kind of for us kind of special mention goes out to the BTA 
here kind of you know led by Clive Ratt and, and the work his, you know he Dave Clare Julie Cooper have done to bring our bring the TMC industry together over the last 10 months has been has been outstanding and I know kind of Clive was recognized in the BTN hot list last week I think so kind of uh, and re- really well deserved so we cover kind of pretty much everything from you know suppliers to the airlines to PSD2 obviously new rules coming with with PSD2 kind of late, later this year. I think one of the kind of things that the chatter that we're hearing is there's a real concern amongst some TMCs about how long they can survive in this current environment. Uh, obviously, a lot of that is linked to, to furlough. You know, is that going to be extended past April? I think that the kind of net effect of that is I think we're going to start to see a flurry of M&A in the in the TMC you know, industry, particularly, you know, we've had three failures before Christmas. I don't necessarily think that we'll see more failures. I think the the TMCs that are there that are going to enter into the process will do rather than just kind of fail. So I think that's going to be a feature over the next kind of three to six months. I think the other thing as well is just trying to unpack Brexit and the new visa rules, particularly for travellers. If you look on the, the government website, it says for business, you may not need a visa, but you may, depending on the country you're going to. So it's just really kind of looking at how that impacts on, you know, those kind of particularly road warriors that are in and out of Europe or, you know, individuals that are seconded across to a project in another country. You know, how that, how the visa rules is, is going to work. I did see, the article that you wrote the other day, Mark, around the tour, something I think was you particularly on the touring industry, uh, the music industry and, and and that. But I think we'll see the ripples of that affect other industries as well, not not just not just music and touring. But it's just understanding because that's going to put a it will all be overcome, but it puts an additional administrative burden on the corporate, the TMC, the traveller in terms of how do I travel as well as vaccines and testing. So, you know, all overcomable that's a word but but just it just needs to be thought through in in order to you know to help travel work as smoothly as possible and lastly to you daniel i know that you talk to a lot of travel buyers what what are they saying are they do they have the same concerns as you yeah i i guess similar uh, subjects so the the economic model and the value right of of the tmc is is actually a an overarching uh, theme that we speak about. BTA's uh, paper is excellent, and we have been in touch with them actually to, to link things and 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 speak. Actually, I'm part of Cortas, a Dutch travel association, uh, travel manager association group, and and we are speaking with them because there's also strong interest, also around questions of marking up in corporate travel and things like that. And then there's, I guess, there's also the, the viability of the suppliers. How do we actually cater for that? What do we do even with, with, with large global TMCs? Uh, if there's a problem with the footprint, if uh, some countries disappear, if uh, franchises disengage, what if this or that happens? So kind of a building hypothesis and 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 uh, try to to work with scenarios and potential answers and i guess there's also recognition uh, among travel buyers around the value of simply the availability of services of of the tmc because it's it it has gained in terms of value in 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 this crisis uh, very very clearly there's also very late uh, booking pattern as 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 they've said so I think most companies believe in the TMCs adding value. The question is, what is the value that that you're looking for and at what cost? And how, how can that be actually presented, articulated and paid for? So I think it's, it's, it's actually a good discussion. 
it's it's a difficult time for the TMC, so we have to appreciate that. But all in all, I think it can also come with positive impact for the TMCs in terms of sharing that risk that uh, Pascal uh, referred to earlier. As always, a very enjoyable discussion there. We learned that there's appetite for private as opposed to shared travel solutions and that corporates are talking about resizing their travel teams, as you might expect. In the airline sector, we hear that many airline deals are being extended and that aviophobia, fear of flying, is on the increase. So apparently 7% of Americans say they're afraid of boarding a plane, although after the scenes in Washington, that may be safer than being on the ground. Business travel may not return until people return to the office, although there are still certain sectors that are buoyant, such as marine and oil and gas. We've heard that there are increasing conversations going on between rivals, and there's a hope that those will continue after the pandemic ends. We heard that TMCs and their clients are increasingly looking at their pricing models, and it is a difficult time for them, but it could have a positive outcome in the end. Many companies are also looking at the supply chains in much more detail, and some are taking suppliers off of their programs because of that. All in all, lots of valuable conversations are being had around the business travel industry. So thank you, Karen, Dave, Daniel, and Pascal for your time and expertise, and I wish you all and our listeners a productive 2021. Thank you all. Thanks very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me again, and see you soon.